I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Karen. And I'm Michelle. And I'm really excited about the topic today, Michelle. We're going to talk about the library list. Yes, we had an awesome question from one of our homeschool moms, one of our Layers of Learning families, and she asked, how do you handle reading the book suggestions? I'm accustomed to using the Ambleside reading lists, which break apart the books into three 12-week terms. Page numbers broken down on a weekly basis. I am looking at all the wonderful books suggested, and it gives me anxiety because I'm trying to envision my kids reading all those books. They could barely keep up with the AO schedule, and all they were doing all day long was reading and narrating. I have a junior this year, My daughter is used to doing grueling school, but she is a bright girl. I'm afraid I'm going to be holding her back. I just want to make sure that it is challenging on a high school level. Sorry for all my fear. I'm going through a lonely season and I'm not feeling so great. So admittedly, it can be a little bit overwhelming to look at the library list if you think that you're supposed to read all of that. Oh, yeah. and No, please don't. (laughs) No. (laughs) They're intended to be resources for you. It's a list of resources to help you quickly be able to find things. Right. Michelle, what would you do if your library didn't have any of the things? Okay, well, one of the reasons that we give search terms at the beginning of the library list is so that you can find things in your own library. We're suggesting these, but we know perfectly well that you may not have access to all of these books. And we also know perfectly well that you can't afford to just go out and buy every single book. No. And and we don't expect Even if you did, you wouldn't have time to read them all. No. So don't. Don't Don't go buy them all. So I would use the search terms at my library or go talk to my librarian, my children's librarian, and ask them, hey, we're doing a unit on ancient Egypt. What do you got? I am amazed at the children's nonfiction sections of so many libraries. Yeah. They might not have the exact books that we suggest, but they tend to be pretty great at getting books on a large variety of topics. Well, because of the nature of libraries, they often have books that have been out of print for 10 years, and we're not going to suggest those. We purposely don't suggest out of print books because they're harder to get in general. But libraries keep them for decades, so why not? Use the one that was there. Just because it was 10 years old doesn't mean that ancient Egypt has changed. You know, you can still learn awesome information. Exactly. So Michelle, one of the things that I love about my library, and I don't know if all libraries do this, but more and more you're seeing this. I can sit at my home computer and search my library's website and add books to lists. Yeah. So in the summer, I often will go through my units really quickly and search for the ones in our library list. You know, when I look for good books, either use the search terms or look for specific topics or titles or authors. And I just add them to a list. And then when it comes around to September, I check out my September list. And my library actually gathers those books for me. And then I go and pick them up just like that. A lot of times I like to have my kids in the library and searching for books on their own. So it would depend on... We do both. So I go and pick up my book pile while my kids go around and pick... 10 books. I say each of you get 10 books to choose and they don't tend to choose the books on the things that we're studying. They're choosing fun to read stories. But you definitely, especially if your kids are a little older, you know, maybe 10 or 12 and up, you can tell them, hey, I want you to find one book on ancient Egypt, one book about Africa, one book about the earth and one book about art because those are the things we're learning this month. 
and then they find the books and you put it in your book basket and over the course of the month they're reading books as that they, they choose found. yeah mm-hmm. books they found and they're reading what they are interested in exactly it teaches them how to actually research and yeah. look things up so the library list is a resource it is not an assignment checklist one of the cool things about libraries is that a lot of them do interlibrary loan that is something that requires you to have done it ahead of time. Though. Yeah, it can often it take time. three to six weeks to get those books. So you got to plan ahead. And some libraries will even order books if you request them. Our library does that all the time. If you say, hey, I want this book. Could Would you consider buying it? We have Our library even has, you just fill out this little form and you hand it to the librarian and they put it in their list. And whoever is doing acquisitions for the library looks, looks through it. it and they decide if they think it will be high interest enough and... Our library gets almost everything that's requested. Yeah, that's so amazing. So it, it depends on the library system that you have, but often they will buy what you need. Yeah. And again, that takes time. Like it, it for the, for it to go through the whole process with the library, it can take two months. So you have to know, okay, this is a book that I'm going to want in January, and right now it's September, so you have to. And I, ahead. I definitely would not be doing that with every single book on the library list. Like, oh, oh we no. have to get them all. Don't it's, overburden your library either. <laughs> just if you see one of our descriptions of a book and you go, I am really into that. I want to get that book. Maybe request it. Yeah, yeah. Um, also. We know that there are people who live in other countries and the books that we recommend are mostly books that are available widely in the United States. Definitely they're English speaking, but often they might not even, maybe no one in Britain has that title because it's an American book. Yeah. We know that you should go to your library and go search for things that are the same topics. We give a whole list of search terms. So like in the ancient Egypt section, the search terms could include individual people. They might include pyramids. You know, it's going to be some very specific things that you can search for in your catalog. Yeah, we've brainstormed a list of search terms for you to save you from having to think about it, basically. Yeah, and you can use those search terms for videos, too. Yeah, we actually utilize quite a few online resources, especially if I didn't have time to get to the library or maybe it's a subject that there's not as much about. You know, some subjects... There's not as much written about for children, especially. So sometimes I'll kind of steer towards a website instead. Michelle, I've even noticed there are a lot more people who are reading children's books on YouTube. Have you seen that? No. Like they're actually just sitting there reading out loud, like story time. Yeah. So sometimes if you're looking for a book, like let's say you want to do the Egyptian Cinderella. Glance really quick and see if somebody's read it on YouTube because they can read it to your kids right there. Like, yeah. You know. Hey, while you're going and doing the dishes or <laughs> yeah. or helping the baby or whatever. So you can always check for that too if you don't have. That's especially true with children's picture picture books. books. If it's in that realm, you might check and see if someone's read it on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. I also take just a couple of books a year that I do purchase because I'm always liking you know, building our family library. Yeah, I, I tend to want to purchase something that we don't already have. For example, if we've already got three books about ancient Egypt, I'm going to pick a different topic. You know, I, I maybe I'm going to pick one about the Celts from Europe instead. Right. So fill out your library. I try to fill in the gaps when, mm-hmm. I, when I can. Okay. As far as after you get home from the library, now you've gathered up these books. One of the interesting things that I learned when I I served on the library board for a while. And Michelle, you worked for the library. I did. Why do they put the books on top of the shelves instead of all shelves? perfectly? like the display ones? Yeah. Because they're trying to interest people in get, grabbing that book. 
those get checked out and read more than any of the books that are on the shelves yeah. organized. And so when I look at that, I go, okay, that's what I need to do in my home. I mean, it might not be the exact same way, but feature books, like have them out, have them visible yeah. and accessible so that your kids go, oh, and pick up a book. We have we, what we always call just a book basket. So it's, an, it's a basket and we set the books in it on end so you can see the spines. Mm-hmm. And the kids during reading time just go grab whatever they want. I, I've always told them whatever you want out of the book basket. And there's this whole variety of things, some of them that they picked, but mostly ones that I picked from the library. And there's a whole variety and they go pick it out of the basket and they read it during their reading time, which we set a timer. Um, when they're smaller, it's 30 minutes. And when they're older, it's 45 minutes. And they read during that time. And I do not check up. I do not see how much did you get read and did you finish the book? Because I want them to just to love reading and to love learning. And so I've purposely left that very open-ended. If they finish the book, great. If they don't, great. It doesn't matter. And if they picked up a book that they, 10 minutes into the reading time, they're like, this is boring. They're allowed to go and switch it out. So this goes right back to the original question, Michelle. She said, I'm accustomed to using the Ambleside reading list, which break apart the books into three 12-week terms, page numbers broken down on a weekly basis. How is that different than what you do? I do not require anything really. I mean, it's very, like I said, it's very open-ended. The kids just read and absorb and learn and enjoy the books. There are no assignments. There's no comprehension questions. There's no checklist about how many pages they have to get done. They just get to read. And again, it's for as long as your family feels like is appropriate for your children. It could be 30 minutes all in one session. You might have two 30-minute sessions in a day. You might tell them you have to read for an hour and a half. It, it Whatever works for your family in the ages of your children that's what you should require. So that I think has been the best thing that I did for myself. I let go of the concept of page numbers and assigned reading. And I embrace the concept of reading times. So like I designate certain times of our day that we read and it's just part of our family culture. Yeah. So what I do, the, the kids have an independent reading time and they're all reading at the same time. There's one time where everybody's reading at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then I also always have a read aloud going and the read aloud is usually something off of these library lists. Not always, but it's usually something that coordinates with one of the topics that we're learning about. So all of the kids are listening to me read whatever book aloud and they're all getting the same information, whether they're actually capable of reading that book independently or not. Yeah. You're reading it for them. So they can listen. Yeah. So they can listen and they can get that information from the book. In, in our family, we do the same. We have, our read-alouds that are going on. And we do that partly during school. Also, if it's like before bedtime and we have time, I might, hey, let's read another chapter. You yeah. Know? But it's that's done throughout certain parts of the day. And then the individual reading time that you talked about, we call that squirt time. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I've heard squirt, but we don't call it that. I mean- so, so squirt is sustained, quiet, uninterrupted, independent reading time. So some schools use that. And it's yeah. just, that's the silent reading time that you have. So that is kind of what, my kids are accountable to is, hey, I expect you to have a book in your hand and quietly be reading for this amount of time. It's not this amount of pages. It's not completing a certain amount because my kids all read at different speeds and levels. But that way we're all doing it at the same time. Well, and some books take longer to read than others. For example, you might have, even if it's the same reading level, you might have a book that has lots of little tidbits and sidebars or has a deep topic that you spend more time thinking about, or you're looking at the diagram. I mean, and then there could be a book that's just straightforward. I'm just reading through it. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It depends. It would completely depend on the book, how many page numbers. And that's, 
too much accountability. And that's a really good way to make kids hate reading, I think. I think one of the reasons that we think of the page number thing, or, you know, that kind of really strict assigned reading, is because when we went to school, in public school, we were with our peers who were all the same age and discussing all of the same pages at that moment. And that's not actually the way that homeschool works. You've got a big range of ages, all different abilities and levels. And yeah, you're all learning about the same thing, but not on the same level. Yeah. So it's just a different format and it needs to be a different format. So think in terms of time, you know, oh, we're spending some minutes reading instead of thinking in terms of exact pages that we're going to read. I do like having that separate basket or bookshelf or something for the, the books that are for that unit. You can put whatever you got from the library there and also grab whatever's off of your shelves and put it all together so the kids can see, okay, yeah. these are the things are that I'm options. allowed to read. You know, my kids would have 20 options. You know, there's plenty of things to choose from. And it, it can maybe if they're really into science or the science topic of the month, they will read just the science all month and I don't care. Yeah. Like it's fine with me. I like letting them do what they want because I believe that's one of the primary ways that you teach them to learn to love reading and love books. Yeah. So I have like those designated times, Michelle, like we definitely read aloud first thing in the morning together. Like that's kind of the first part of our day often is, Hey, let's read and it just gathers everybody together. We definitely have like our squirt time. I also have like, I divide that into two parts. I don't know if you do this. Probably not. (laughs) I, I have their reading time that's, Hey, they can read whatever they want just for fun, you know, anything. And then I also have our library book basket time, which is, yeah, this is individual reading, but you have to choose something on top. No, I just do one reading time. But but my kids... They read voraciously anyway. They read voraciously, and four out of six of them are dyslexic. And so it took me years and years to get them to be fluent readers to mm-hmm. where they enjoyed reading. I mean, most of them were 12 before they I would consider them readers, like before they were fluent and could read independently because of the dyslexia. So that means that if I asked them to read for an hour a day, even if it was broken up, that would have been way too much and they would have rebelled and yeah, hated, hated reading. It. And so I didn't do that. I think, it again, it would depend it depends on your on kids, the kids and your families. When I was a kid in, in school, I would have loved to be allowed to read way, way more than I was actually allowed to read. You know, yeah. I would have... I would have spent all day reading if they let me. So it just depends on your needs and your kids. Yeah. But besides, okay, so we do what you do. During morning meeting, we read something. We have a book going. Last year, we were reading The Art of War all year. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That was a long one. That was requested by one of my kids. Okay, so he wanted to hear The Art of War. So it's actually not that long, but we were reading a version that took The Art of War and they explained each part. It was like an annotated Art of War. And it took us a long time. We, we didn't even quite finish it, but I didn't care. <laughs> so <laughs> we, were reading, we were reading that during morning meeting. And then later in the day, I was reading aloud another book, which changed all through the year. You know, we got done with it and moved on yeah. to another one. And then they also have their independent reading. And in addition to that, I read to them often during a layers of learning lesson. So, for example, the lesson will say, read a book from the library list on this topic. And, exactly. And so we, I would read it. And this doesn't mean I'm reading for three hours one book. I take either a picture book or I read a snippet from a book or sometimes the encyclopedia that goes with that. Yeah, that's unit. that's exactly what I do, too. So we break up our reading into lots of little parts during the day. It sounds like we're reading all day, but we're really not. Yeah. It's just, hey, we're going to read for 15 minutes here and yeah. there. Yeah. Like during morning meeting, I might read 
when we were doing the Art of War, I usually read one little snippet. It's not even a chapter. It was like a page. Mm-hmm. So it might take 10 minutes, you know, at the most. And and then our longer reading, when I read aloud, is going to be, I would read a chapter or two. So it was more like 20 to 30 minutes. And their independent reading was 45 minutes. And then when during a lesson when I'm reading, it's not more than 10 minutes. You know, it's going to be Short, small pieces. Yeah. yeah. And I often flip through books during that and just read the pertinent parts or things that I think are in or captions of pictures. You yeah. Anything that's that. interesting, yeah, anything. something like that. And so I'm not reading a book cover to cover to my kids every single time, sometimes, yeah. but not every time. So Michelle, tell me, how do you do like sustained silent reading time with your kids when you have kids who are learning to read? What did you do? Well, I read with them. If they're learning to read, that's when that's our reading instruction time. So the kids independent reading, I count it as English and whatever subject we're doing, you know, so like yeah. they're since they're reading about science, it also counts as science, but it's also their English, their reading time for English. So if the little ones are still learning to read, then I'm sitting there reading with them. Is that like that's instructional reading? You time. do the reading lesson kind of a thing, yeah, like you're practicing yeah. with so, them. Yeah, if they're really small and they're still learning phonics and how to sound out words and so on, then that's when I do the reading instruction. So I know you had this. I I had this a little bit, but you had it more, where you actually had to teach more than one kid at a time yeah. how to read. Yeah. Did you teach them both, like one on each side, or did you give them a turn? Like it's your turn, then it's your turn. Usually both. Like I would have two together, and and then once they were reading but not reading great you know where I I kind of have in order to consider a child a reader they have to be able to fluently read a normal like say a picture book without stumbling just read it you know? yeah to me that's without, a reader without any help without, yeah without any help yeah. but if they're be pre that stage but they have learned to sound things out I will still send them off with a book on their own for at least part of the time like it might be 15 minutes of the time they're doing that because I've got one that I'm actually sounding out words with yeah and the one who's slightly more advanced than that doesn't need that but they still do need me to sit there and listen to them read so I will spend the last 10 minutes of our reading time with them reading so that they're advancing too yeah I taught all of my little kids like even if you can't read you can look at books yeah and so it was their job to look through books you know it doesn't even have to be a wordless picture book Think of any picture book and make it wordless. You know, yeah. they, there's still they a lot of interesting things well, to look at. Well, and I think at. that that helps them love books too, don't you? Mm-hmm. When when there's like, there's not a burden here. You just go do the best you can and well, I'm and pretty not going to quiz you on it. So. Like if my kid looked at a book, they'd be like, mom, will you read this to me? Mm-hmm. You know, like they get interested. Yeah, now they want to know. Yeah. So Michelle, what about high school? Once kids get to high school, for my kids, the reading changes a little bit. Do you have it take a turn at all? Not really. I, I keep having them read what they want to read. They naturally gravitate towards more and more in-depth kinds of reading. Like they, they have no interest anymore in picture books or little kids, nonfiction books. You know, they, they want to be reading the more advanced things. However, if my high schooler does want to pick up a book about spies that's from the children's, the junior nonfiction, I let them read it. I don't care. I learn things from those junior nonfiction books, so why can't they? My kids often do, and sometimes I'll say to them, hey, you're going to read that? Great. Read it to this kid. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you they read it to one of their little siblings. Yeah. And then they kind of put on the teacher's hat a little bit. They feel very big, very yeah. grown up. And it and practicing reading aloud is actually a good skill, too. So, yeah. So, you know, we talk about like squirt time being quiet and uninterrupted, sometimes less quiet, sometimes, yeah, it is. Cool. you know, <laughs> we're, we're flexible. 
but I do something very different. I don't think I've ever heard you say you do this, Michelle. I stop thinking in terms of units when my kids are in high school, and I think in terms of courses or semesters. So, so in other words, you don't care if they're reading aligns perfectly with whatever unit you're on. Yeah. I okay. kind of look at it and say, okay, we're doing ancient history. So this semester, I want you to read these four books. And it might be that it's one out of each of those units, or it might not be. But I just find that my teenagers, I don't know, some teenagers could probably read one in each of the four subjects, you know, like one science book, one history book, one geography book, one art book for each unit. That's a more advanced high school level book. I, I don't think I've ever had my kids necessarily do that. I mean, they're hearing a lot of the stuff that we do aloud. They're also doing online things with video lectures, but I'll get like a bigger book for each of them for the semester instead of, yeah. In fact, I usually do about four. I'm like, okay, what four books are you going to read this semester that are bigger? Some topics are hard to find anything on anyway. I mean, it is really, really tough to find popular level books about chemistry of any kind. So you might not even have a chemistry one, you know, for the year, maybe one, and then the rest of them are history and geography and and art. You know, it just just depends. I think art can be hard to find. It, it is hard too. I mean, aside and from less valuable, like I would rather yeah. my kids spend time looking at paintings and talking about them than yeah. just reading. Also, my kids read my teens, the high school age, they read nonfiction books, but they also read a ton of fiction. I mean, a, a historical fiction book that takes place during World War II is really impactful. It matters. And like, I don't find that wasted time having them read fiction either so I like to kind of intersperse it but again I let my kids pick although you taught me something Karen that I love what at the the beginning of the school year I give them presents oh yeah and those presents include books and I always purposely pick something that I know that is going to interest that child and I just tell them here's a book that you can use during reading time if you want to. And then they do. And then they do. And essentially what I've done is I've assigned a book and they don't know I assigned the book. But Well, that's kind of how mine are. Like those three to four books, I'm like, I'm going to find three to four really interesting books about, say, ancient history, you know. And then I give them those at the beginning of the semester and those are like their books. I don't have page numbers and assignments and all of that. But it's like, hey, these are the the books that you're going to read this semester. I've never had them... Yeah. Complain about it. Like no, they just, my, my kids, don't, they, they, they just kind of do it because that's what we do. Uh, they've been trained. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell my kids often, you were highly trained. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll also ask my kids like, hey, what are you reading about in your book? Is it interesting? Is it, yeah. you know, we discuss it a lot. Or I'll say, oh, you learned a ton about World War II from reading that book. Do you want to teach tomorrow? Because we're going to start learning about World War II. Yeah. And so I, I like to ask them if they think I should read it. And then what they will do is they'll give me a whole synopsis of the book and they will sell it to me. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you just Mom, did an oral book You should book read report. it because it's got this. And this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know they did an oral right. book report. <laughs> but Sneaky. yeah, you just discuss things. I discuss a lot more with my high schoolers. I have them, um, like, I don't even give time during the school day for them to read those. They just read them, like, at night in bed or, or whenever. I mean, they can read them during the school day. Yeah, I, I let mine pick what they're reading, so. Yeah, but I don't but, but, make it yeah, happen. Yeah, and, and I also I also never, ever, ever would tell them, oh, no, that's a school book. You can't read it outside of school yeah. time. <laughs> never, ever. They, they go and read it in bed at night. They stay up till midnight with the lights on. You know? Yeah, that differentiation doesn't exist. No. <laughs> All books are just great books, right? Yeah. 
Michelle, I don't grade reading ever in any which I way. Do you? I don't either. No, I've no grading. never graded reading. Do you kind of give your kids credit for reading, even though you're not grading it? Oh yeah. Like high school. T- how do you do Te- it? Teachers give credit all the time for things that they don't actively grade. I mean, there's participation points, right? And there's, there's um, just kind of, were you here during the lesson points? There's a ton of things that are taught in schools that aren't graded, but are become part of the final grade. So yeah, I, I, again, like I said, I count it as both English and whatever subject their, their reading is about. Yeah. And then it's just kind of accumulated into the whole hours mm-hmm. of the school year. So I give them credit in, in the sense of that was a credit for, you know, one credit for science for your high school transcript. So I give them credit yeah. in that sense. But for as far as grades, it's like did it or didn't do it. So like they would get a point for the day for reading. Yeah, kind of you don't thing. you don't really have to track it as long as you're yeah. aware. And again, that only I only would even grade to that level once they're in high school. Younger than that, there's no grading at all. I just don't. I do love that I've had my kids keep a reading log, and I wouldn't say that I grade the reading log, but yeah, they feel very accomplished. Are you on Goodreads at all? Yeah. So, do you get like a sense of satisfaction when you? <laughs> Add a book to Goodreads. Like I read another one. I read another one. I'm not even consistent with no, it anymore. Because but I'm I used not to consistent. Be. <laughs> I used to be consistent, and I would set reading goals and be like, I have tried, but it turns out I don't have time for that. <laughs> I I read so many books to my kids, and as part of our homeschool, that never really counted in that. Like they weren't one of my Goodreads reads. They weren't my book. It was yeah. like what I was reading out loud. So I don't do it as much anymore. But I think a lot of times that is very motivating to people. So like. Kids who are building up their reading list and they're like, I finished five pages of my reading log. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got a hundred books. I've read a hundred books. Yeah, some kids not motivated by that, but some kids really are. Yeah. So it it can be a good tool. But as far as the library list in general, it should not frighten you. It is there to be a resource for you to pick and choose from to, you know, those are books that we've read that we write a little excerpt about so that you can go, oh, that's what it's about a little bit. You know, we just kind of suggest it. But those library search terms are just as valid. Um, any other books that you already own, you shouldn't be like, oh, that's not on the library list. So we can't read that book about ancient China. You know, yeah. yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can, you can gather resources from wherever you want, from the internet, from YouTube, from your library or the interlibrary loan or, you know, any of those resources that you have. The goal is for you to bring in a lot of options. So we've given you a lot of options in the library list. You're going to choose from those. You're going to give your kids those options and they're going to choose from those. So we're narrowing it down in a sense to a reasonable amount of reading and stop thinking in terms of page numbers and start thinking in terms of dedicated reading times. We're going to spend some time reading each day. We we harp on this kind of a lot maybe, but one of the goals of layers of learning is not perfection or checking off boxes. It is progress. Is your child making progress? Are they learning? Are they becoming a better reader? Are they falling in love with books? Those should be the measures that you're using rather than did they complete it? Did we check off a box? Did they get a good grade? Yeah. And it will save you. You don't have to do a ton of planning. You don't have to go, oh, we have to keep a super scheduled, perfect day together. And inevitably that will fall apart. It won't happen. You won't get all the pages read or something. But you can say, 
oh, we're going to spend 15 minutes reading the books out of the book basket. Yeah. Just let it be easy. Let your kids love reading books and let the library list be a tool for you, not an assignment sheet. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family-style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.